Podcast from political blog The Groucho Tendency. How are you spending your summer break? For politicos, the summer is a time to rest, recuperate, and rejuvenate after what's been a rather extraordinary year in politics. Uh, for MPs, tw- the last 12 months have brought a great deal of change, uh, a change in prime minister, a change in government, a change in the political landscape for many, and a change at the top as well. But what do MPs really get up to when they're not in the House of Commons? Hello and welcome to GNT, the politics podcast from The Graduate Tendency. My name is Mike Indian, I'm the blog's editor and author, and to discuss how a parliamentarian spends their summer break, I'm delighted to say I've got a very special guest with me today. I'm joined by the Right Honourable Damien Green, MP for Ashford, uh, former Cabinet Minister. How are you, Damien? I'm very well, thanks, Mike. Well, thanks for taking the time to join me. It's It's been a rather extraordinary end to the political year. Are you having a chance to catch your breath now that the, summer's, the summer recess has begun? Well, sort of yes and no is the is the slightly political answer to that because because of the extraordinary circumstances of the past few months where Parliament has been sort of half operating and and we've all been much more working from home than before. Then then actually the sort of recess part of the job, which which obviously tends to be much more focused on the constituency, feels like what. I suspect others, certainly I have been, have been doing for the past few months, there's been a much bigger emphasis on, on, on work outside the Commons than there has inside the Commons, partly because, as I say, the Commons has only been half there since, since March. Yeah. Um, can I ask you quickly for some um, end of term thoughts quickly, because this has been a political year really unlike any other. Um, how have you felt the last 12 months have been? You've, you've been in the House for a while. You've seen a great deal of change. You've been a back, both a backbencher and worked at the top levels of government as well. How do you weigh the last 12 months compared to the rest of the how you might normally have spent the, the, the year or so as an MP? I, I mean, the last 12 months have been unprecedented. Uh, in that, of course, there have been other you know, dramatic changes of prime minister, general elections that have uh, have not gone the way that the, the pundits were expecting. But we've we've never had anything. I mean, not just for politicians, for anyone else, like like the pandemic uh, before. Uh, and so, not only has that changed the focus of, of government policy in a way that none of us could have predicted. When you know, if we if we if we'd done this going into the Christmas recess. Neither you or I would have used the word pandemic um, or thought about it. Um, but but also to just not just in terms of, of what we all care about, but but actually just the way we operate. And, and that applies to MPs as, as much as anyone else, you know, like like everyone else. I do most of my work on Zoom and Teams and Skype and things like that now. And I'm spending much less time with other people and, and much more time you know, working from my kitchen table, essentially. Has that given you any advantages in terms of the work you have to do? Because obviously, when we think of the work of a member of parliament, we think of them when they're at the, their most visible in the House of Commons chamber, um, around the broadcast studios for those MPs like yourself that obviously do, you know, have a media profile. Um, has the pandemic changed that sort of dynamic as we sort of moved into August? Yes, it has. I mean, and I think the big, the biggest change has been the chamber of the House of Commons is a sort of pale shadow of what it normally is, uh, because 
you can only have 50 people in there. And within that, you're only allowed to ask questions if you've you know, put in the day before and, and got on an approved list and things like that. So uh, it's slightly random as to when, when you get questions or not. And you're not even allowed to sit there for the whole session because if you're having a long session where you've got 50 or 60 people asking questions, then the, the later ones can only come in when, when the early ones go out. So you can right up be asking a question, hoping that nobody's already asked it. Um, and so I think what this does is make life much easier for ministers, frankly. Uh, it disadvantages backbenchers. It disadvantages the opposition. It makes life easier for ministers. So, so that part of the job is very difficult, different. Has it made your life easier as an MP, uh, having the, the virtual parliament in place? Well, I mean, without the virtual parliament in place, parliament would be impossible. Parliament wouldn't be working at all. And it's it's obviously important, you know, particularly at times of what by any standards is a national crisis, that, that parliament operates. Um, so the virtual parliament and sort of respect to the, the, the technology people at the, the Palace of Westminster who made it work, the, the virtual parliament is essential, but it's not the same. Um, and in other ways, the job has just been more intense than ever before because more people have got day-to-day problems. So uh, every MP will tell you that our email inbox is now bulging day after day after day, people with, with, with genuine problems and questions. How do you normally balance your time as a as, 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 as a backbencher at the moment between the role in the Commons and the role in the constituency? Uh, say we weren't in a normal, say we weren't in a pandemic year, how, how would you balance the two roles as it were well no, i'm not my normal week would be that i'm in in westminster monday to thursday and in the constituency friday saturday sunday um as as with most people's are you, know, you are you are whipped you're required to vote uh you have to expect to be required to vote when parliament is sitting so you start the week assuming you need to be there monday to thursday quite often thursday business means you can you can get off early and go down to the constituency but broadly speaking it's it's the first half of the week in Westminster and the back end of the week in the constituency. In terms of um, going into this particular um, recess um, obviously it's going to be a bit different than normal given the change in rhythm as we've all had different changes to our working patterns but crudely speaking what would a normal summer recess entail for you as an MP? It's a mixture of, I mean, it is nice actually to get in a holiday uh, and I'll be taking a couple of weeks off later in August. But but also, it, it, it obviously, the focus is, is less on Westminster. I mean, the, the house isn't sitting. So uh, you, you, you tend to use it to do those things in the constituency that um, you don't have time to do in, in other parts of the year. Um, in a normal year, there are, there are certain rituals I have that come. Um, I, the, you know, the, the Rotary Club in Ashford will always invite me to speak once a year. And we've worked out over the years, the only because they sit, they meet on a Monday when if the house is sitting, then I, I can never be available. Um, we always you know, get a date in September for that, uh, which would normally be the conference recess. Now, of course, things like Rotary Clubs aren't meeting at the moment, which is probably a good thing because unusually there's no conference recess this year. So actually, literally, the House goes back on September the 1st and we are sitting throughout September. So, so this year is going to be different again. But but that's that's the sort of thing you can, you can know that you're going to be available for particular events in the constituency that you, you may not be available for any other month of the year. I suppose it's one of the, 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 the sort of, 
things about our political system that's most attractive is that as the MP, you are the local touch point for Parliament. You have one constituency, one member of Parliament, and that must. But of course, that puts great demands on your time. Um, you mentioned there, of course, fitting in a holiday as well. There's often a lot of criticism in the media about um, MPs, particularly high-profile uh, members of the House, taking time off and going abroad as well. But I, I'm, I'm sure you agree it's important for anyone to fit in a to fit in a break. Do you have to consider where you go on holiday? Perhaps is it something that you know you don't you don't want to be seen to be to be to be gallivanting off to the to, to some exotic location while your constituents can't travel? Does that does that affect how you take holiday? It, I, I try not to do that because I feel quite strongly everyone deserves a holiday, uh, and the same yeah, MPs underneath are human beings as well. Uh, so and not just deserve but need a holiday. Just just refreshing the batteries is is really important. Um, so and and similarly, there are those years where I mean, as it happens, we're not going abroad this year. We don't go abroad every year, um, and for obvious reasons, this year, yeah, I think you'd be um, uh, it's it's risky, frankly, uh, in all sorts of ways to try and book a foreign holiday. So so we haven't done this year. But yes, this whole thing about oh, you know, MPs can't be seen to be enjoying themselves and things like that. I, I happen to sort of drive through that i i think you know you, yeah. you deserve a holiday or well i say you need a holiday uh and so you should you should take a holiday and also you you, you tend to not to be taking you don't take holidays on your own there are other members of the family as well and <laughs> they, they they deserve a say as well absolutely um when you're away do you find it easy to switch off um yes actually um it's i mean if you're i mean i i get bits of recognition so you know there is always this this yeah, you should always be aware that you know if you're in a crowded place, somebody will know who you are. So, uh, you know, you never, never, never do anything you wouldn't want somebody to take on a picture of on a camera phone. Um, but um, apart from that, yes, I, I mean, I, some do, some don't. I, I am capable of saying, right, I'm now on holiday. I'm not going to look at emails um, if necessary. I'm not going to look at the news, and I will just, as it were, enjoy the view or enjoy whatever we're doing. Um. So leaving aside the rest portion of the holiday, the, the, so for the recess period, how would you spend your time then? What sort of things would you do in your constituency during the recess break? That Obviously, this is, this is something that the, a lot of members of the public don't often really see their member of parliament do when they're really away from the media bubble that is Westminster. Well, well I mean, to some extent, it's, it's, it's all the same things you, you do. I mean, at the, at the moment, a, a lot of it is, is emails and phone calls and chasing up people's personal concerns with with departments and with ministers so you know that that's what i'm doing this week i'm you know i'm going through piles of emails um i've got a meeting uh with the the local chamber of commerce that inevitably that will be done on on zoom as well um and i, I mean obviously in august even in a normal august one one wouldn't be visiting schools but um all the other sorts of visits that you do to, to businesses or uh, or individuals. Um, I held a surgery last week, so it's it's sort of normal work carrying on. It's just it's slightly more low key because that's that's all you're doing as opposed to you know, doing that as well as all the the, the Westminster duties. Communication, currency, uh, so communication and personal contact are very much the currency of the work you do as a parliamentarian. How has this been more challenging to do in the year of COVID nineteen? Because the most notable example I can think of is obviously if you wanted to call a minister, if you have a physical division with them, you can 
in, in, in normal times have a word in the division lobbies. Um, you can more easily have a chat. Now, There's it's more easy to be fobbed off over a Zoom call. Has, has it made doing the sort of the constituency casework side of the job or having a word in the corridor in, in, in Parliament more difficult than normal? It, it has. I mean, just the way we vote now, where we all have to queue up um, and can't mill around for obvious safety reasons, uh, means that, yes, that old thing of I will I will grab the minister and say, um, I, I, I've sent you an email. This one is really serious. Can can you make sure somebody senior deals with it? That All that kind of quiet elbow squeezing that goes on uh, literally can't go on anymore because you're not allowed to get within two metres or one metre plus, depending on... Uh, what rules are at any one time so yes that does make it more difficult and but i mean the main difference is there's just more of it there are more constituencies more constituency casework than i have ever known um and so there's 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 more of it to go through and 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 of course everyone forgets that you know an mp isn't working alone we you know we have staff and and i know my staff who are of course having to work from home as well um are working harder than ever before at the moment so, Damien, you were explaining there about the importance of um, the, an MP staff in the work that you do. How do your staff support you in the in, in work you do both in the Parliament and in the constituency office? Well, I've, I've got a number of staff. I've obviously got a, a, an overall office manager who runs my diary and uh, basically makes sure I turn up on things on time and things like that. But also I've got a researcher who... Uh, you know, there's a lot of, of, of letter writing and, and basic research as well, uh, letter drafting. And I have a caseworker who deals with uh, individual cases, and obviously all, all three of them will refer things to me as well. Um, and I, and you know, on top of that, I have somebody who works in my constituency office uh, who is a sort of first point of contact from uh, members of the public uh, approaching there, and with the the added amount uh, of problems that people have because of the pandemic, then uh, all of them are, are working harder than they've ever worked before. Mm. Obviously, allowing for COVID nineteen, um, you mentioned there's a lot of casework coming across your desk at the moment. Um, what are the sort of issues within that that you, you tend to be seeing uh, and tend to be having to deal with at the moment without breaking any confidences? Obviously. I mean, the normal, the sort of base load is often uh, benefits cases. Uh, I get a lot of immigration cases. And the truth is a lot of the, the cases I get as well are, are effectively planning cases and, and housing cases, which aren't really for a member of parliament. They, those are things decided by local councils. And yeah. one of the I mean, things I've noted over the years is there's a lot of confusion about the, the role of a councillor and indeed the role of the council uh, and the role of a member of parliament. A lot of people seem to think that the member of parliament is some kind of court of appeal uh, from the, the local council, which, which of course we aren't. So trying to guide people in the right direction as to who they should be talking to to try and resolve a particular problem uh, is one of the constant issues. Um, the changes with, with uh, yeah, the current situation are that there are far more of the it's changed actually through the period in the, the early period there's a lot of people saying um, I'm having to shelter I can't get food I can't get you know literally can't get to the supermarket can't get an online delivery and putting people in touch with voluntary organizations that were just literally providing with food was the first few weeks then the next wave were businesses and individuals who said I'm going to be I'm going to run out of business what am I you know I 
I can't I'm going to run money. What can I do? And so things like the furlough scheme and, and, and the various other support schemes from the Treasury are kicked in then. And then there's there's a permanent, quite obviously understandable uh, set of, of, of health issues of people you know, worried about COVID itself, worried about the local hospital, worried that they can't get to their GP and so on. So um, you know, a lot of far more people than usual are turning to their MP for issues in their personal life because you know, everything is now seen as, as stemming from government guidelines. Crudely put, do you feel you can you can achieve a strong success rate in the issues, particularly at the moment? Because obviously, when people think about Parliament, they think about all the all, all MPs together. But at the moment, you are as as a, as, a, as a group as a group of six hundred and fifty individuals, arguably more atomized than you've ever been before. I mean, our our Parliament has always worked on a proximity a proximity basis MPs together voting together you know e- eating and being in that sort of same parameters does that make doing your, your job that much harder in terms of achieving results or are you finding that especially the government there they're as receptive when you need to raise say for example a benefits case with the local DWP office or wherever I, I mean some it, it varies from department from, to department is the boring answer I mean some departments are acting uh, as efficiently as before I mean they're varying levels of efficiency, but some are pretty good. Some are much slower than before because, of course, all the civil servants are, are at home as well. Um, and, and one of the things that's become um, an absolute godsend in terms of the, the, the collective ability of MPs to influence ministers by a lot of MPs at once saying, this isn't working or this is going wrong or you've got to change your mind on this, um, is the existence of WhatsApp groups, uh, which we're all on now. And, and suddenly you can find that you have said something that strikes a chord with, with dozens of colleagues, um, all of whom can then get on electronically as opposed to personally to the relevant minister and saying, hang on, this is not working, uh, this is better change. And so you influence the minister that way. Does the recess allow you an opportunity to get, in, get, to get involved in issues or causes that are close to your heart uh, on a local level perhaps? Well, it, it, to some extent, but I mean, that, that goes on all the time. Uh, I, I don't think, uh, I mean, and in a sense, a lot of local issues tend to be, tend to come up. I mean, you know, the biggest local issue for me at the moment uh, is the, the proposal to put a lorry park in my constituency um, in the run up to the end of the transition period. So, you know, that, that has been keeping me busy um, in, in recent weeks and will continue to do so. Uh, through the recess but but in those terms in terms particularly of stuff that happens uh if it happens in the recess then then so be it you deal with it in 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 the recess that uh you know like many other professional jobs if you wanted to work 365 days a year you could as an mp Hmm. um i had two quick questions to ask you just at the end that aren't related to to your constituency work the first is um you are the chair of the One Nation group of Conservative MPs. I, I understand from reports in the media that the group is in the process of relaunching. It's it's, it's had a it's had a, an interesting journey in the last sort of year or so, particularly with Boris Johnson being leader of the Conservative Party and Prime Minister now. What do you see the role of the One Nation group of MPs being now in 2020? What we want to do is encourage Boris down the path that I think he wants to go anyway, to be a one nation conservative prime minister. I mean, when, when he was mayor of London, uh, he was you know, a, a moderate progressive conservative. Uh, and he always uses the phrase one nation conservative to describe himself. 
So uh, we're encouraging him over the summer. We're producing a series of policy papers that will give uh, detailed ideas that we, we think the government could use to bring the country in, into a sort of post-COVID recovery period. What what I've, I've, I've done with the One Nation Caucus is, is move it on from the European debate. I mean, broadly speaking, you know, you know, some of my closest friends in politics were you know, ended up having the whip withdrawn from them because uh, of, of the European issue. Well, you know, the issue itself, though obviously there are, there are huge things still to be decided, the basic issue itself is settled. And, and I want One Nation conservatism to sort of move on, uh, to become a powerful voice saying, this is how you know, we think the country should position itself in the world. And this is how we think we should run our domestic affairs um, so that we don't continue just going around the same track of the of the European argument. Have you been able to bring in fresh blood with the 2019 intake? Because as you mentioned there, several leading lights, with the exception of yourself, um, left Parliament uh, for the One Nation Group at the 2019 election. And that was largely because of the European debate. Now, as you say, if we moved past that, have you been able to invigorate the, the, the fresh intake of Tory MPs with membership of the caucus? Very much, yes. I mean, we, we've got about, we've got more than 100 members, so we're about a third of the parliamentary party. And I mean, you can see from that, you, you couldn't do that without a significant chunk of the the new intake uh, having joined us and and some of them have become uh, quite active members uh, some of the uh, policy papers we've published already have got uh, have got new members contributing to them and it, it's partly i suspect because the whole leveling up agenda the spreading wealth and prosperity to different parts of the country and to people who may not have been able to participate in growth in prosperity over the past 20 or 30 years is exactly what the One Nation message is about. So you know, I'd be disappointed if, if some of my new colleagues from seats that the Conservative Party has never won before weren't, uh, broadly speaking, in, in the, on the same patch of ground that, that I'm on. So, and, and happily, it's, it's proved that they are. Mm. Um, the last thing I'd like to ask you about was the story that emerged over the weekend regarding a colleague of yours who has been arrested by the police on suspicion of rape. I won't ask you to comment on the case directly because obviously we don't know how it's going to develop yet, let alone which member of the Parliamentary Conservative Party has been involved. But regarding the the procedures for how cases like this are handled internally by the Parliamentary Party and the Chief Whip, it seems to me this is quite a fraught and difficult issue for the party to handle. In terms of the party's disciplinary procedures, how it handles cases like this do you think this is a process that has to be looked at reformed in terms of to try to balance both the process for justice but also fairness to anybody making very serious allegations against somebody who holds a prominent public office like being a member of parliament i i think the i mean what's happened over the past couple of years is that parliament has set up an independent uh, complaints body for complaints of this sort. Um, And that seems to me to be a positive development, because if people, it is, as I understand it, completely independent, so people on both sides should have confidence in it. And and that does slightly take it outside uh, Parliament itself, uh, Mm -hmm. which is probably sensible. But Frankly, any case where the police are involved is going to get more complicated anyway. And, and without knowing who said what to whom, when, 
it's difficult to say anything very definitive. Well, Damon Green, thank you very much for taking the time to talk about the constituency work and also a couple of pressing issues there for the Conservative Party. Um, If you'd like the podcast, please do leave us a review on the Apple Store. It does boost us up the rankings. Um, Liam and I will be back later in the week for another roundup of the political events. Until then, stay safe, stay alert. I've been Mike Indian. Thanks for listening. Mm